want a fucking podcast, bitch? <laughs> Jesus. Why? Why, <laughs> Why did you call me that? My family's getting really worried about our grandfather's Viagra addiction. My grandmother is really taking it hard. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name is Henry. And my name is John. And together we're Henry and John, coming right at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that there Zeit. Geist. That's right, Henry. Deep from the Quarren Caves. <laughs> Where we mine that sweet, sweet content all day and all night with no really... We have no idea what time it is because the Quarren Caves are, are dark and they're long and they're filled with no light. That is uh, disturbingly accurate. You know what I've started doing? Have you, I've started, have you been uh, like imagining what light used to look like? I've started drawing the blinds in my house earlier and earlier every day. Because why, why kid yourself, right? Light doesn't mean anything to us anymore. I will say, uh, now I don't want to brag. I don't want to freak anybody out, but it was recently my birthday. Now, holy shit. Horses. Holy shit. Oh, what the... What the fuck? You had a what? You you didn't tell anybody it was your your birthday. We could have had a whole thing. We could have had a celebration. We could have we could have done a thing. You couldn't even tell me. I know. I told people that birthdays weren't happening anymore for me or anybody else. But I decided to have one on a lark. What? You had a birthday without me? I did. Now, usually you and I have a birthday together uh, in that we both advance <laughs> one year in age together, even though we were born on different days. Uh, you yeah. gratefully sacrifice a few months of your life uh, no, to we, we, advance in age on my birthday. We do it twice a year. Yeah. We do it, we do it on your birthday and then you do it again for me on my birthday so that we are doubly as old as we should be. Yeah, we are both, we should, by laws of God and man, be 15 years old. Yeah, but we're actually both apparently equally 30. Uh, yes. Oh, I'm actually slightly older than you because I traded birthdays with Stevie Ray Vaughan a couple of times. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I don't blame you because I guess it's Stevie Ray Vaughan and you only get one a, shot to trade your treasure. birthday. He's a treasure. I wanted him to be around a little bit longer, so I gave him a few. <laughs> you gave him a f wait. <laughs> this, so you you aged in his place? Oh yes, on his birthday, I took the birthday for him. Okay, okay, gotcha. Now that's that's a horrifying concept. 
This is a lot like that Justin Timberlake movie in time. Right, Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis, where you could be... Now, that movie, I think, is actually kind of genius. Let's not get into it, but it's a prescient movie for our age when people start to realize that work product and capital equal time, money equals both of those things, and rich people are literally killing you by stealing your time. Man, that makes me feel like drinking. Oh, what are you drinking, Henry? Oh, tonight I am going to finish off the last two of my 512 pecan porters before I go to the store and immediately buy more because it is a damn delicious drink. Uh, So there's no actual finality to it. It is just one of the last ones before there are more. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, the series, the the season finale of a Grey's Anatomy season doesn't mean much because you know there's just going to be more. Now, as far as my drinks go, I'm actually uh, pretty excited because we're going to play a little what the college kids like to call a drinking game. We're going to play a drinking game as you describe your drink? Well, the drinking game is I have multiple drinks in front of me and the game is you will tell me which one to drink. That's a fun game. Please begin the description. So, to describe the beers, I will tell you first that they are all from a specific brand called Sufferfest. Uh, are you familiar with Sufferfest? Is this Suffer as in, like, the right to vote? Or is this Suffer as in, like, suffering? Uh, it is as in suffering. Uh, these beers uh, from Sufferfest Beer Company, I believe acquired by Sierra Nevada in 2016... Uh, they're out of Chico, California. But these beers, let me just read a little bit of the can. Maybe you'll start to get where these beers are coming from. Uh, their tagline is, Will Sweat for Beer. And it is a proudly female founded. That's awesome. Uh, we we craft beers for those who like to earn it. That's right, Henry. Sufferfest is a fitness beer. I hate this. Sufferfest is a... Let me read you some of the copy off the back of the Sufferfest sampler that I got. It's not about winning or losing. Sufferfest Beer Company celebrates the effort. Purpose-brewed craft beer to complement your sweatiest occasions. This trophy case is a token of your hard work. Light on calories, but big on flavor. Let's never settle. Whether you crushed it on the trails, had a big win at the office, flexed your weekend warrior, or shredded the gnar, you've earned your beer. From us to you, go hard, have fun, and enjoy the Sufferfest. This sounds this sounds unbearable. So shredded I, the gnar, please. Shredded the gnar. Go away. Now, the thing, my thing about fitness beer, and this is actually kind of a thing that's coming up more and more, is beers that are like uh, macro friendly. They fit your macros. They have like certain amounts of alcohol versus carbohydrates, lower calories. You really start seeing that with your White Claws and your Trulies. Uh, but it's actually started to get into the craft beer scene. And I understand it. As someone who has tracked calories in the past and may, uh, if the devil takes me, do so in the future. Uh, I understand that it's nice to know how many calories are in the beer you're drinking. Uh, but one thing that I don't like that they do is they put full nutrition facts on all of their beer, including the calories, which uh, since this is not under the FDA, it is under the 
DEA, I think. I think I think that's correct. Either that or the tobacco, gun, and alcohol people, TFA. TF TGA? PGA. It's the Golf Association. (laughs) Yes, it's the Golf Association. But the thing that I don't like about these beers is that they show calories and carbohydrates, and that's fine. Uh, But they always go on to list protein and fat. Number one, you're never going to get a beer with any significant amount of protein in it. That's just not the way that it works. And also, if your beer has fat in it, you have fat floating in your beer. That's gross. So, uh... I feel like those things are not necessary to list. Also, if you're someone who's counting calories or being fit, you know that beer is not going to be great for you. But we do have three different beers. And I alluded to this a little bit earlier when I said that these other beers are macro friendly in that they list carbohydrates and calories. However, Sufferfest is different because Sufferfest is micro friendly as well. Oh, like micro brew? Uh, microbiome. So oh. each Sufferfest beer is brewed in a very specific way to, uh, I imagine, give you certain health benefits that you wouldn't get otherwise, especially from non-fitness beer. So our first option is the Head Start Stout. It is a stout with coffee and coconut water, and I believe it is uh, Ecuadorian coffee beans and coconut water. Uh, so you get some potassium in there, as well as coffee, I guess. They go well together. And then your second option is the gut check. Now, I'm particularly interested in the gut check. Uh, this is an IPA brewed with apple cider vinegar. You know, you want your micro, your gut biome in, in good shape. And then we have uh, a beer whose name I can only assume is pronounced fucked. because it's just fkt and that is an american pale ale brewed with salt and black currant currant and all of these are brewed in such a way to remove the gluten from them interesting Uh, so these are maximally healthy beers which one do you think i should go for first i think you should drink the head start because it has the word started in it Let's uh, let's crack open the Head Start Stout, and let's just give... Oh, it's been a while since we did a taster on the podcast. You know, it's not bad, actually. Oh, yeah? A little do, you feel thin. It, do you feel it working? It's a little thin. Uh, it kind of tastes like if you took... It's like if you took a pretty good coffee stout and then kind of literally watered it down. <laughs> you strained it. But it's it's genuinely not terrible, and the lightness kind of makes the coffee come through pretty clearly. And it's good coffee, too. Well, I hope you're not up all night. Hopefully not. Yikes. Is the implication of the Head Start Stout supposed to be that you drink it for breakfast? Uh, yes, Absolutely. Uh, now I'll tell you one thing: I do not, I do not sense any gluten in my body whatsoever. So that part is working. Wow! All I can sense is gluten. Pure gluten in your beer? Pure. No, just in my body. I feel like my body, like my bones, are replaced by gluten. That's pretty good. I'd like that. I love. Would gluten. you? Okay. I'm a big gluten guy. 
Well, I'm glad you have found a new beer experiment that fits your macro-micro lifestyle. And I hope that the rest of the beers, which no doubt you're probably going to get me to have you taste during the rest of this episode, are just as good. Now, I did say I had a birthday, and these things tie together. Right. So I had a birthday... And I'm drinking fitness beers. You might say I've become a little bit of a fit freak. I would never, I would never accuse you of that, John. You, you might all, you might say I get bit by the fitness bug. And you know what? I would never say that. I would never say that, John. And for all the times that you could and have said that, you're right. Ah, I, I, I want it on the record. I want the record to show that I would, and I have never actually said these things, and I and I want it going forward. I will never say these things. No matter how many times you've said it, Henry, that I was bitten by the fitness bug, I just have to tell you, I have been. Well, I'm happy for you, but I want to reiterate that I would I have never said that. That's right. I got a Fitbit. Oh, I had one of those once. It's uh, it's nice. It looks a lot like an Apple Watch, and let me tell you, it tells me how many steps I've taken. Yeah, that's that's kind of what they do. It tells me, get this, how many calories I've burned. Yeah, they do that too. And get this, it tells me how well I sleep. Those are kind of the three things that they do, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fitness guy ever since my birthday. And let me tell you, knowing how well I sleep is essential to my performance. Uh, and to get real with you, I was very excited to get this for its sleep tracking because I was very afraid that uh, I slept very badly. Uh, I felt like I would wake up all the time and I would wake up not feeling rested. And just there was something wrong and I thought, oh, it has to be my sleep. My sleep hygiene's so bad. And uh, turns out, pretty much a perfect sleeper. What? I uh, The sleep Wait. results came back and they said, I get, so in the two nights I've had it, I've gotten between one and a half to two hours of deep sleep, perfectly normal, oxygen, blood oxygenation, fluctuation, totally fine. I sleep for about seven and a half hours. Apparently, I'm an ideal sleeper. Wow, and you haven't even trained. You're like a, a natural Uh, I used to have real bad sleep problems. I think I trained myself into being a good sleeper. But the problem is, since it's told me my sleep is good, it's got to be something else in my life that makes me feel run down and bad all the time. And I don't know that the Fitbit can solve that one. Well, I'm I'm sure if you buy increasingly more expensive versions of your Fitbit, eventually you'll, you'll learn what exactly is making you run down. See, I'm wanting to buy a whoop strap, which measures your strain and blood oxygenation. And also I'm going to buy a Wahoo tent, which is a uh, an oxygen tent that you put over your corpse. I mean, your body while you sleep. And it uh, tells you things about yourself. Now, eventually, will one of these uh, fitness devices tell you that the thing that's making you feel run down is just the general state of the world that we find ourselves in and how that world is a byproduct of very, very rich people who have done everything in their power to make sure that they are able to keep their money and keep everyone else at the same level or worse 
level of destitution, and they've been doing this for literally decades and decades, if not centuries. Is your Fitbit going to tell you that? Uh, sorry, Henry. I was writing this new uh, this new running and weightlifting program that's going to solve all of my problems and make me happy. Oh, okay. Well, I'm I'm glad you're finding solace in fitness. I would never begrudge you that. I, like everyone else, have come to the realization that yes, the problem lies within me. Thank you, society, for teaching me this whole time that I was the problem. Yes, of course. If you have a problem with society, the problem lies not within the confines of society. You're just not taking enough steps. You're not drinking the fitness beer. Why haven't you bought a trainer for your bike? Why haven't you joined Gold's Gym? <laughs> You're not drinking enough water. It's six to eight to 16 glasses an hour, you idiot. You need to drink so much water that you are constantly in a state of hypernatremia. You have no salt in your body and you can't ingest anything. Once you have become water, you are hydrated enough. Yeah. Be like Bruce Lee. You need to be like water. Yes. The classic Bruce Lee quote, be water. Be water. And it, it has nothing to do with the fact that our, what is it, um, hold on. Ah, yes, it has, uh, you would be an idiot to listen to your body because your ad libitum thirst response, you don't know when you're thirsty, idiot. Your body doesn't have any mechanisms to tell you when you're thirsty, idiot. Just drink water, idiot. Yeah, I mean, your body has nothing with you being happy, idiot. You got to spend money, drink water, and don't question anything. These are the keys to being happy. The most important thing is drink water, which is free. But ever since we figured out that drinking water is free, you have to put expensive beta fuel and electrolytes in it. And you have to buy $200 sneakers for your arches. Yeah, otherwise you'll be sad. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Oh, it's a shame. It's a shame that 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 that's that's it. That's what it is. But I'm happy for your Fitbit, John. Thank you. Uh, quick update on the head start. This is a really drinkable stout. I don't hate it. Oh, that's great. How many how many steps have you gotten since we started recording? Oh, hold on. Uh, six thousand five hundred and forty nine. Now that's pretty amazing, considering I and I'm I'm only guessing. Because, you know, we're still social distancing, even now, uh, that uh, you're sitting completely still. <laughs> oh, I'm sitting still, but I... So, the amazing thing about the Fitbit is that it has a three-dimensional accelerometer, so it can really tell when you're taking steps. And uh, I fastened mine to an infant, and uh, I'm just checking my steps on the app. Yeah, that's... that's I, I've heard that's how you get real results is like strap it to an infant or like put it on a dog collar or something like that. Maybe attach it to a running car or something or like tag a Falcon. Oh yeah. And you Falcons can, get you so many steps, dude. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You get so many steps and because it's your Fitbit, all of their motions. 
that's that's what that's what Fitbitters call uh, motion movements. So all of uh-huh. their motions are transferred directly to you. So you get all the benefits without doing any of the work. Yeah, at this point, I'm really trading. I'm really getting back all those birthdays I traded with Stevie Ray Vaughan and getting this Falcon Fitness. That yeah, pretty soon you're gonna have hollow bones. Oh God, finally. Oh no. Um. So your Fitbit is good. It's a good Fitbit. I used to have one uh, until the strap. I literally wore the strap down until it broke, and then I never bought a new strap. Oh no, I I'm seriously loving the Fitbit. Like I resisted the smartwatch trend forever because it's I don't know. It's not exactly an Apple Watch, but it's pretty close. I mean, can uh, you answer phone calls on it or text through it? Yeah, it's uh, it's like touchscreen. I can answer Holy phone calls. Holy, oh shit. It. It's got like apps. I didn't realize I was talking to a man of the future. I am a man of the future. Uh, and also my uh, girlfriend bought it for me and she bought it in this really cute colorway of like rose gold and like blue coral. It's very cute. Nice. I'm happy for you. Uh, happy birthday, by the way. Oh, thank you. I hope with this Fitbit I can become a faster, uh, skinnier, more neurotic version of my previous self. That's what we all hope for. For you to lose weight. <laughs> yeah. No, I... I <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> no, well, we, we all hope to become faster, skinnier, more neurotic versions of ourselves. That that's what the Vitruvian Man is about, right? I don't know what I'm referencing. Is that the Da Vinci sketch? Yeah, I think. Well, I always thought the Vitruvian Man was you should have six arms and six legs and one <laughs> dick. Yeah, I suppose so. Right, that's what he said. Yeah, in that sketch, that's what he spoke. Yeah, you know, it, it was one of Da Vinci's many famous comedy sketches. <laughs> Right, right. The sketches of Da Vinci. Yeah, I, uh... Sorry, I just get really mad looking at these beers. Because they're like (laughs) 130 calories each. That's not much lower in calories than most beers. That's a handful of M&M's. Yeah, yeah, That's exactly 11 M&M's. It's uh, three Oreos, maybe? Maybe. I, I, I calories in <laughs> beer. I used to count calories, and it was a nightmare. Just because I never ate enough to actually hit my goal, so then I would try to hit my goal. But like all of all the food I could afford at that time were like was like you know junkish food, think food that wasn't healthy. So like I would hit my target, but I was doing so by eating not nutritious food but I was still losing weight. It was like a weird vicious cycle that made no sense other than the weight loss is only tied to calorie deficit and nothing else. Yeah. That's the, the thing that I think is scariest. I don't know. I, I lost a lot of weight as everyone knows, cause I can't stop talking about it. Yeah, um, Jesus Christ. The, the scary thing about calorie counting is that's exactly what it is, is your weight is tied to your energy expenditure. And if you expend more than you take in, over time, you lose weight. Does that in any way improve your long-term health outcomes? Yes, because obesity has a lot of like comorbidity factors that if you right. get sick would be bad. Right, um, right, yeah. 
but you can be someone who is your weight, but also 10 times healthier than you are by eating correctly. I don't know. People care too much about weight. Weight's this like monolith in people's minds, but it's not important. Right. What, what do I have to eat to make my back stop hurting? Oh, backs. <laughs> Wait, backs of what? Like of animals or like, can I substitute a, a nice tofu back? Get them where you can get them. <laughs> no, but seriously, like ever since we started working from home three months ago, uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Uh, my, like, just, I guess the chairs that I have here, the, the, the place, the, the places where I can put my back against that I have in the home are not conductive to work or conducive to work. Cause like for work, I have this tiny laptop that I have to like squint or move close to, to be able to like look at. And like the, of course, since it's a tiny laptop, like the keyboard is way far away from where my chair is. There's a bunch of factors, and I have tried sitting pretty much in every location in my house, and it doesn't matter, no matter what, my neck and my back will start to, to, to strain and will hurt throughout the day to, to the point where by the afternoon I am lying on my back with my laptop on my stomach to try to work in a position that doesn't hurt. So I feel like a lot of factors go into that, and, and I have thought about it is uh, working from home is really like a... It's a spinal nightmare, uh, which is also the name of my crust punk band. Uh, nice. But it's a spinal nightmare because typically if we're working in an office, we have been provided with chairs that are aimed towards being uh, maximally like ergo-pleasant. They typically have like a big hump in the spine, Right. But also, it's not just the chairs. At work, you typically have a lot more reason to get up than you do at home. It's uh, true, you'll, yeah. You'll go to a copier, you'll go talk to somebody, or you'll go to deliver something. And standing is the healthiest way to be. Does that mean you should get a standing desk? No. Studies have shown that standing all the time will also kill you. Uh, so. <laughs> it's a mix of... It's a mix of using your back for its intended purpose and supporting the neck and the head and mixing in some standing in there on a regular basis. It's not one or the other. It's both. Yeah, more studies are showing like, hey, uh, there's not like one spinal position that's perfect. The best thing it can do is like be in motion and you be active because uh, that's the only way that you'll be like evenly stressed. But Getting up moving, that's huge. Uh, usually at work, if we're working around people, we have uh, more incentive not to uh, do what I like to call sitting like an asshole, which I do all the time. <laughs> Describe that for me. <laughs> uh, it is my version of sitting like an asshole. It's two versions. One, I will cross one of my legs over the other and sit disturbingly sideways in the chair where like half of my body is touching the chair. Oh my God. I do the same exact thing. I, I... And, and the other option is to slide down the chair until my back is where my butt should be. And my yeah. head is barely peeking up over the desk. Yeah, no, I do that too. Oh my gosh. Yeah, uh, but but neither of us would do that were we in an office where people could see us. Right, because you look like an absolute slouch or like just 
Just like you're not doing enough to stay engaged with what you're doing, because you're all the way on the floor. And as hellish as work and the corporate environment of late capitalist America is, uh, it's kind of good for our spines for the most part. Not good for our wrists and our elbows, and not good for our glutes or our hamstrings (laughs) or our hip flexors, but pretty okay for our backs. Pretty good for the physical and literal spine, but... If you have, like, an abusive or overbearing boss, maybe not good for the spine that's related to courage. Yeah, not good for the mind spine. <laughs> the uh, emotional but, spine. But something that I had to do, because I uh, my spine is a canary in a coal mine, uh, which is my favorite tongue twister. Um but my spine is bad. My back is bad and has been because I seriously injured myself. So, like... If I'm in a situation that's going to compromise my back, I'll know about it a lot sooner than someone else who was in my similar situation with a good back. So after about a week of working from home, once we started, I was just sitting in a kitchen chair. And by, I believe, Thursday of that week, my back hurt so badly it was spasming and I had to lay on the ground for prolonged periods of time. No good. That's uh, no good. Uh, that's uh, no good. So I had to buy a ridiculous bright red video game chair. <laughs> very ergonomic, but ever since then, my problems are solved. Also, I do basic creature comfort things anyone working from home should do. Uh, get a chair with arms if you can, or if you do, make sure that the arms line up with the top of your desk. Oh, man. I'm I'm striking out over here because uh, we bought a, a chair... After we bought the desk, but we didn't measure the chair, and the chair's too big for the desk, so I took the arms off. Oh, no. Yeah. There's also some people who believe that if you sit on one of those yoga balls or those squishy chairs, it'll be good, too. I don't know. Oh, I'm not going to buy one of those. If I'm going to buy anything, I'm going to get sponsored by uh, Street Chair Racing or whatever. (laughs) One of those top fleet $500 chair models. That all of the streamers are sitting in. Uh, I think that would be... They're probably pretty ergonomic. Oh, no. I've sat in them when I, when I bought the chair that I have now. Uh, and the, it was literally the most comfortable chair I've ever sat in in my entire life. Like, including, like, Lazy Boy Rockers or whatever. And then I looked at the price tag, and it was $500. <laughs> And I, I was like barely into my new job at that point. I was like, that's basically, it's more than my, I mean, my rent is more, but that's basically, you know, a rent payment for my small studio apartment. Uh, so I can't do that. Yeah. Uh, chairs get ridiculous. I think I was looking at a chair when I bought this and it ended up being like $750. I'm like, I'm good. I'll just buy yeah. this ridiculous gamer chair. Uh, yeah. Speaking of ridiculous, it's time to pick our second Sufferfest beer. What? I don't believe it. That's ridiculous. So let me just uh, remind you, we have the Gut Check, which is an IPA brewed with apple cider vinegar, or the, like I said, Fucked, which is a pale ale brewed with salt and black currant. Now, oddly enough, either one of these beers would pair nicely with what I want to talk about today. Uh, hmm. I say let's go with the uh, the gut check. 
Ooh, that means we get to finish it with the fucked. Which I think will be appropriate. Let's see. A quick taster on the gut check. Oh, it smells very strong. Oh, no. Uh, let's see. It smells like pine sol. That's not bad, actually. Huh. Okay. It's, it's, you're not as descriptive as you were with the startup stout. It, there's not a lot. There's not a lot going on. It's definitely thinner. Let me hold on. It's definitely thinner, like it's been watered down, and it's like it wants to fade into that like nice, pleasant, bitter hoppiness of an IPA, but then that just kind of goes away, and then it tastes a little bit like vinegar, and then it's gone. Mm. Huh? Not terrible, but not. <laughs> I mean, it's thoroughly non-offensive. If I had just, like, finished a race or done something, if I had done some cursed event where this was the only beer on offer and they gave it to me, I'd be like, this is acceptable. Right, right. I feel like their brand or their whole marketing is, you know, for those specifically those moments where it's like, well, water would be nice, but I guess you you have this and like, oh, this is going to taste more delicious because I want water. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty accurate. Like, if I saw a big cooler full of these at, like, a bike race or something, I'd be like, sure. Why not? Uh, I don't know. This one, it's disappointing me, but it's not, like, disgusting. I'd still prefer to have, like, a Corona or a Pacifico or something, like a regular beer. Yeah, that's a shame that you don't have one. But, John, I think it's time that you prepare your chompers. My chompers? It's time to prepare your chompers. Are you ready, John, to take what can only be described as a BB? Uh, what? We're going to take a BB at a Quibby. A big bite out of Quick Bite. <laughs> oh, my chomps. Get your chompers ready because Quibby, the weird, stupid streaming service that we've been talking about as of late, made headlines again last week. And it's time that somebody actually stops and talks about this because it is kind of egregious. I mean, for what it's worth, no one's really been talking about Quibi because everyone's just been so busy watching it. (laughs) Right, right. And that's why they've had to lay off a lot of their staff. Oh, no. But here's the headline that I read that caught my attention. Quibi staffers see that Reese Witherspoon's $6 million payday amid layoffs. Wait, hold on. What? $6 million for Reese Witherspoon? Reese Witherspoon, who is the star of Big Little Lies and Little Fires Everywhere, two really huge drama television shows where she's no doubt already making bank was paid $6 million by Quibi to narrate a collection of shorts. Oh, is the collection of shorts American Horror Golden Arm or whatever? I, I'm not entirely sure. So what kind of layoffs are we talking about? Well, let's, let's, let's dive a little deeper into the, uh, the article here. So Witherspoon voices the show Fierce Queens 
which gives a fe- feminist slant to nature ducks by exploring heroic female animals, including cheetahs, hyenas, and ant queens, telling viewers, imagine a world where females call all the shots. Okay, that's, I mean, that's an idea for a thing. I don't, I don't hate it. I could see something like that showing up on Netflix, but why? I, I don't have to imagine that, Reese Witherspoon, because that's literally the natural world. Like, there are so many instances of, of the female members of species being the more active or the more ferocious, you know, of the two. I think there's a term that I heard someone use for that kind of media, and I'd, I'd butcher it, uh, so it's not important. Uh, nor am I eloquent enough to say what I really think about it. It seems odd, but I get it, and I would understand seeing that exist. Uh, but I don't think you should pay $6 million for the voiceover for that and then lay off tons of your staff. Now, here's the weird thing about this uh, article. It doesn't mention the layoffs at all. Oh, weird. Yeah. Um, The source told us that Quibi has already cut overtime for its lowest level staffers and quietly let go of others, adding, quote, the mood is dark. There's no there's no numbers attached to that. I mean, do you know anyone who's watching Quibi? I don't even know anyone who's talking about Quibi. Well, we are, for one. Yeah. Uh, Here's a quote from an official Quibi spokesperson. Quote, And in regard to tightening our belt, our senior leadership team has volunteered to take a 10% pay cut because it's the right thing to do. We are excited about the future, as we shared in our most recent company meeting. The best is yet to come. We are confident in Quibi and the work that we are creating every day. But here's where the gut check comes in, I guess. Reese Witherspoon got paid $6 million, right? Uh Uh-huh. Her husband is the head of talent acquisition for Quibi. Oh, no, that's so dark. Right? That's awful. So, I mean, you know... Her performance in the nature doc and the 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 the, uh, the content of the nature doc aside, does she only have that role because her husband is the talent acquisition for the entire service? I almost feel as though at that point you can't take that role if you have that connection. I mean. <laughs> Hollywood kind of works in this weird way where nepotism is overlooked in every regard. But I feel like when you're launching a service that is supposed to be successful, that is laying people off and slashing overtime, you don't award your wife $6 million. No, I, that's ridiculous. That's so stupid. You guys are fine. You don't need another $6 million. Right? Like, again, I... If if this if this were Reese Witherspoon's comeback after a long time away from the spotlight, that would be one thing. But like she's in one of HBO's biggest, most award-winning series, Big Little Lies, and Hulu's Little Fire Every Little Fires Everywhere made of splash when it premiered. Uh, you know, this past uh, what are pre-corona time? Like like she's active in these huge dramas like she she's getting work i don't see why you would need a six million dollar payout now 
especially when people are losing their jobs and getting their hours cut for your failed streaming service. Well, who knows? Maybe, look, return on investment. Maybe um, Animal Queen or whatever it's called will make a lot of money for them. Can a single single show make a lot of money for a streaming service? Hold on, wait. uh, The headlines are rolling in. Quibi's uh, Angry Queen's uh, save streaming service. Uh, (laughs) Bill Gates donates $100 billion to Quibi, says... Quibi is only real art left. <laughs> and it's all thanks to Reese, Reese Witherspoon. Oh, it's she's being given the National Medal of Honor. <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> For saving... Uh, today is National Quibi Day. Viva la Quibi. Uh, so here's some actual headlines for Quibi rolling in. This comes from uh, Independent Australia. Quibi, the billion-dollar streaming failure you've never heard of. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. Apparently, Quibi just added support for Google Chromecast. Oh, for real? <laughs> You'd think they would have had that before. Uh, here's, a, here's another... another uh, here, this one's from The Observer. Quibi is running out of time to turn its rough start around. <laughs> oh, no. That's, you know, sometimes you get a feel for Quibi. I don't. Um, Here comes, here's another uh, headline from IndieWire. Quibi's slow start is due to having no popular titles, comma, poor marketing. Uh, here's a headline from Forbes. How can we save Quibi? <laughs> It's always good when you launch your business within the first couple of months that Forbes has an article entitled, How Do We Save Your Business? Uh, Quibi serves tepid Hollywood moralizing, but no one is biting. Yeah. It's fascinating to me that a streaming service can fail this hard, this fast. Uh, from Vanity Fair, coronavirus didn't kill Quibi, but it's not looking good. (laughs) He survived the coronavirus, Quibi, but I'm sorry, we're shooting you in the leg anyway. Yikes. Uh, now I've gotten into the, I've gotten into the positive Quibi news and I've lost interest. I found some weird Quibi news. Why would this be a headline? Debating even reading it out loud, but I guess for context, Sophie Turner reportedly stripped completely naked for Quibi's Survive? Why is that a headline? I don't understand. That's gross. That's completely gross. And now I don't want to support Quibi even more. (laughs) Yeah. How's that HBO Max subscription going, though? I don't have one. Um, so, So we've been... Oh, I don't, I'm not selling them out or anything, but uh, we're password squatters and uh, we've got squatters rights. We ha- we're entitled to it, uh, but they have an HBO Now account and everything I've read says that HBO, anyone with an HBO Now account should be able to access HBO Max, but I can't using their credentials and I'm kind of in a weird spot where I'm like, hey... Can you log into HBO Max? And if so, what's like 
what's the details there? And so I'm kind of just leaving it alone for now. And maybe I'll ask when I can see this person in person again. That's like if you stole someone's car and then you asked them to get an oil change for you. No, it's exactly what it is. Like, so like, and like, this is a thing, like we pressured him into sharing the password in the first place. And, uh, and, and I, I, not so what's the word? We were pretty upfront about it. <laughs> yeah. And like, we were friends and all, and we were just like, hey, you know, if you want to keep talking about Westworld, you're going to have to fork over a password so, one of, you know, we can watch it. You're like, oh, uh, boy, man, I wish we could keep talking about Westworld, but I just, we can't afford it. It's kind of like, yeah, no, it looks very interesting. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to see it. Cough. Cough, cough, cough. It's like, hey, why don't you share your password? Cough. <laughs> hey, give give me your give me your password. Cough, cough, cough. <laughs> I had a cold at the time. You see, uh, but yes, yeah, Quibi sucks. Now that yeah, Quibi sucks. But now that HBO Max is out, it's kind of like, hey, uh, you gonna upgrade to HBO Max? We want to watch that Adventure Time special. You you just go up to him and you're like. Hey man, did you see this new tattoo I got? And you just roll up your sleeve and you've written Snyder Cut on your arm. <laughs> and you're like, hey, do you know what do you know what do you know what that is? Do you know what that means? Do you know, do you know what that means? Do you know what the meaning of my do you know what it means? Do you know what the meaning of my tattoo is? You ever heard of a movie called Justice League Dawn of Justice? <laughs> Wait, it's not called Justice League Dawn of Justice. You ever heard of Justice Dawn of Justice? You ever, uh, you ever wanna, you ever wondered if there could be like maybe a six-part worse version of it? <laughs> uh, so, uh, s- small aside, uh, some breaking news out of the Schneider Cut camp. Uh, Mister Zachary Schneider, legendary director, uh, released yesterday one of the key differences between his version of the film and the version of the film that we all saw in theaters. Uh, he revealed unto the world that he is getting rid of the, quote, red sky in the final sequence of uh, Justice League. Oh, what? Well, see, in the final battle sequence, in the final showdown between the Justice League and Steppenwolf, for some reason, the sky was red. And Zack Schneider, in his infinite wisdom and glory and all praise be upon him, and in his directorial experience is going to change that red sky to a more natural night sky kind of color palette. And that's what's going to be one of the key differences between his version of the film and the version that we saw in theaters. Okay, cool. Um, I'm sure that'll make the movie way better. Yeah. You know, when I was sitting through Justice League, Dawn of Justice, Rise of the Steppenwolf Man, one of the key things that bothered me was not the story or the plotting or any of the other egregious things wrong with the movie. It was the fact that for 40 minutes of that film, the sky was red. I one, I'm looking at pictures. I will say the sky's pretty red. It's pretty red. What if we find out that the the only thing that made Justice League bad was its color correction? I would kind of... I would find it hilarious if Zack Schneider took $20 million, 
cut the original film into like 20 minute segments. And all he did was co- color correct the sky and then just pocketed the rest of the $19 million. Classic Snyder. And I'm only okay with that because Zack Schneider's husband is not the head talent acquisition for HBO Max. <laughs> this isn't yes. being hypocritical. No, <laughs> I only I only don't like it when people's husbands are talent acquisitions for streaming services, and they pay their respective spouses a lot of money. Now I do have some bad news. Um, Zack Snyder is directing Vicious Queens. Oh, he's the director of. <laughs> no wonder there's so much slow motion and blue skies. Yeah, there's a there's a scene where um where a female antelope like kicks a lion in the head, and then there's a there's a bullet casing in slow mo hitting the gra- hitting the ground for yeah, twenty and the, minutes. And and the lion uh the lion's pearls ne- pearl necklace snaps and falls slowly to the ground for an additional twenty minutes. Now, keep in mind, Quibi is for quick bites, and uh, This Vicious Queens, as directed by Zack Snyder, is a six-part, two-hours-each event. <laughs> that you can only watch on your phone, and uh, reports are coming in that phones are dying within the first five minutes of Zack Snyder's masterpiece, Vicious Queens, as narrated by Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, something about it makes your phone burning hot. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's rendering so much slow motion and color correction that the phone just can't handle it. And they just they just sizzles out right before Reese Witherspoon can say, imagine a world ruled by women. Yeah, it's such a shame. But, you know, that's the price we pay for art. Yeah. Six million dollars and then an additional 20 million to Zack Schneider and his talent acquisition husband. Yes, uh, talent acquisition husband is also my favorite uh, member of the Justice League. <laughs> yeah, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, talent acquisition husband. You know, the normal ones. Yeah. He, how do you think they all met? It was through him, through his agency, talent acquisition husband. You know, a lot of people, they say Martian Manhunter is the most interesting one. I get to tell you, talent acquisition husband is the most interesting yeah, what's his story? What is he doing? Yeah, he doesn't talk about it a lot. He doesn't. He barely says a word. All he got, really only only says his catchphrase, I get 10%. He says, I get 10% and your hand in marriage. <laughs> I get 10% of your hand in marriage. Yes. Uh, fascinating character. I don't know how to segue into the thing that I wanted to talk about. Well, here's here. I'll I'll set you up. Now that we've summed up the evil that is Quibi and the the dawn of justice that is Zack Schneider's Schneider cut that will save all of art and mankind, we are freed up to discuss any topic, any such topic that could come to mind. And for that, I shall throw it to my good co-host and good close personal friend, John. So what I would like to talk about, and we don't have to talk about this for a long time, because I feel like you and I are going to be in pretty strong agreement about this. But I also hate Nazis, you're right. There is someone who has been on the run. Uh, I don't want to 
I don't want to gloss over that. I also hate Nazis. Not a Nazi thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to be the guy. <laughs> Sorry, the circle back. That was yeah. professionally done. I don't want to be the guy who heard someone decry Nazis and then just didn't mention it. I'm sorry. Get okay. What you have to what you have to say has nothing to do with Nazis. Please continue. Yeah, it has nothing to do with Nazis. It probably does have something to do with uh, anti-Semitism in the past. This is not an anti-Semitic thing. But there is someone who's been on the run from the zero credits gun pew pew for too long. Oh, holy shit. There has been someone in existence who has been in our sights, in our wheelhouse, in the zeitgeist for pretty much our entire, more than half of our lives. And their behavior consistently throughout time has warranted us talking about them, taking them down, chick-chack, arming the zero credits, cancel cannon, and we haven't done it once. That's right, Henry. I'm talking about the the big kahuna, J.K. Rowling. Holy shit! Holy shit! This is the other thing I wanted to talk about! Uh, Perfect. Wait, wait, are you are you ready for your third beer yet? Because she's about to get fucked. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, J.K. Rowling, who has done nothing with her entire life. You know those Harry Potter books? I've heard from a good source written by Japanese virtual pop idol uh, Hatsune Miku. It's it's fascinating because uh, Hatsune Miku obviously wrote the Harry Potter books, but also every time you've seen J.K. Rowling, a picture of her uh, near the cast of the Harry Potter films, actually, that's Shakira. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> that's actually Shakira? Yeah, there is uh, there there are two movements. Number one, the movement we're starting today, of course, Hatsune Miku wrote Harry Potter, and also any picture of J.K. Rowling has actually been Shakira uh, in disguise. Wow. That's pretty uh, great. Now, I think we've talked with J.K. Rowling a little bit in the past. Um, also, just a quick tasting note on the. I opened it for effect, but I want to taste the fucked. <laughs> It is a salt and black currant. That one's actually very pleasant. It's like a sour. Ooh, that one's really good. Oh, I'm glad one of them is good. I'm glad we're ending on a good one. But JK Rowling, get fucked. Uh, Obviously, I think what you wanted to talk about was her most recent in a long series of what I'm going to call just bone terrible tweets. The thing about J.K. Rowling is that, inexplicably, she has been one of the most problematic people who has been in my life forever. Like, like so, more a lot of the more egregious people who are pro- problematic, I came into sort of like into adulthood, like your Louis C.K.'s and people like that. Your, your, uh, what's, I can't even remember his name, but he played like Frank Underwood in, uh, House of Cards or whatever. Oh, Kevin like, Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Like, so they're super problematic, but like, I, I became aware of them and like watched their stuff in adulthood. But like J.K. Rowling, I started as a young child with like the books, and so she's been the most 
persistent problematic person in my life. I don't know why we continue to give her money and chances. So just for context, if people aren't aware, which I find it very unusual uh, if people haven't heard, but there was an article, an article creating a more equal post-COVID-19 world for people who menstruate. Uh, J.K. Rowling decided to, uh, apropos of nothing, uh, quote tweet that article and say, people who menstruate, I'm sure there used to be a word for those people, someone help me out. And then she does this cute little thing where she does like dumb spellings of, of women pretending she can't remember uh, what the word women is. Oh. And that's just a disgusting tweet. If I may try to explain maybe where the tweet came from. Because I can see this from, like, a writer's perspective, trying to be, like, more concise than the article headline. Because there's a rule in writing, like, if you can use one word instead of three words, go with the one word. And so J.K. Rowling could be making, like, a writer joke here of being more concise. But the thing that discredits that theory is what she does at the end with the three misspellings of women. It's it's so... I can kind of see like where the inclination to make the tweet came from, from like a jokey writer's perspective. But the thing is like her behavior after that doesn't even, doesn't speak to that. <laughs> yeah, because the, the tweet is essentially saying the we should have replaced people who menstruate in that article title with the word women, which is inaccurate. Because people who menstruate uh, covers a, a broad variety of people. Women, transmasculine people, non-binary people who menstruate, uh, completely annihilating them. And then she went on to make a series of really stupid tweets defending herself from like a kind of turfy, like, yeah. like see, see, fake radical feminist point of view that just made me so mad. That's the part that doesn't speak to my theory that she was just trying to make like a writer's joke of being more concise because she followed up with some really problematic tweets. Uh, if I'm, I guess I could just read them if that's what yeah. we want to do. Go for it. If sex isn't real, there's no same sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know love, I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate to speak truth. The idea that women like me, who've been empathetic to trans people for decades, feeling kinship because they're vulnerable in the same way as women, i.e., to male violence, quote, hate trans people because they think sex is real and have lived consequences is a nonsense. I respect every trans person's right to live any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them. I'd march with you if you were discriminated against on the basis of being trans. At the same time, my life has been shaped by being female. I do not believe it's hateful to say so. But none of that has anything whatsoever <laughs> to do with what she did. She's just like spitting out turf word salad. And it makes me really upset because what she did, why people are upset with the tweet is very obvious is because she, uh, she was regressive and assumed people who menstruate mean women. She made a dumb boomer mistake. 
uh, or a, a dumb boomer intention, intentional decision. Uh, but then when she's saying like, oh, if well, sex is a race, there's no such thing as same sex attraction. That statement means nothing in, in, when compared to the tweet you made. And also saying like, you know, my life is defined by my sex. I'm like, yeah, much like some anyone who identifies as a woman, much like you do, would have their lives defined as such. The part that I guess hits me the most just because of my sex is the part where she brings in male violence. We weren't even, we weren't even talking about... There was... Men weren't in this conversation at all. Leaf us out. <laughs> it's very interesting that she says, I feel for trans people in that they are harmed by men. I'm like... Mm. <laughs> that just um, seems hurtful. We weren't in this discussion. <laughs> Why are you dragging us in? It seems ridiculous to to say that because, yes, uh, men do really shitty things. But to say that, you know, I identify with trans people because they're attacked by men. I'm like, yeah, that is true. Trans people have been attacked by men. But they're also, like, massively denigrated, oppressed, and suppressed in society uh, in every way. It's It's not... The only conversation that's happening, it's not an us versus them. It's a you, J.K. Rowling, against trans people. Yeah. And, like, she, she even has one of the common, like, uh, you see, common tactics of, like, a, a narcissist where she makes a tweet, and these are all quoted terms, feminazi, turf, bitch, witch, times change, woman hate is eternal where she makes herself the victim of her own actions. Yeah. Turf is eternal because she's a turf who never seems to go away. Now, for those of us who don't know, uh, who may not know what the the term turf means, uh, could you explain that in a way that doesn't make me feel stupid? Uh, Turf is a trans exclusionary radical feminist. Uh, So it's someone who is essentially they're they use the the guise of like late later wave feminism to exclude trans people uh so they they don't believe that trans people who identify as women are women uh, and they don't include them in their movement whatsoever uh typically it's just kind of like an older way of thinking that neatly allows them to erase trans rights from things they have to care about so when she says woman hate is eternal, she might not be extending that hatred toward, uh, or, or, or that's not a way to phrase it, but it, she's not ex- extending that olive branch to trans women. Trans women. I, I can't imagine that she is because she's, she's done things like this in the past. Yeah. I she's mean, a- yeah, this is not, this is not the first time she's made a comment like this. Like this is a, a perpetuated pattern of these types of outbursts. And this is in, in addition to the fact that she is the worst, one of the worst kinds of artist. JK Rowling has upset me for a long time by trying to get points for uh, inclusion uh, in her books. Post fact. That she, yeah, post facto inclusion, post facto diversity, which if she wrote Dumbledore being gay into a book would be huge. That would be amazing. That would have been great. 
But to say like after the fact, oh yeah, he was gay. Like what? What are you? What are you accomplishing by changing? Not, not even necessarily changing, but adding something to the book that is not at all a part of what you set out to create. And then yeah. she also has these like series of Harry Potter tweets where she's like, well, in the old days, wizards didn't have toilets, so they'd cast a special spell to get the poop out of their butt. Well, no, not even that. The, the actual tweet was they might just shit in the hallway in front <laughs> of people and then disappear the droppings. Like, what? <laughs> Who asked for that? Who asked for that information? Who asked you to speak? Why are you saying this? And very clearly, there were bathrooms at Hogwarts because the second book, The Chamber of Secrets, revolves around a bathroom. I just don't understand. She's she's the worst kind of creative. No, I... I I've always sort of disagreed with the voice of Godding that she's done because... Through all of the writing classes that I've ever taken throughout my life, the 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 teaching that the the lesson that that has been instilled in me time and time again is you you aren't going to be there when the reader is reading your work, so you can't be there to explain what you meant. You have to make your meaning clear through the writing, so it stands by itself or is open to interpretation. And then you don't get to claim ownership over that interpretation. Like, that's not, you can have your intentions, but the reader is going to read their meanings into it. And any meaning that can be supported by the writing that you support is valid. Like, that's, that's English literature. That, that's the whole department. And I don't know, the, she, she claims so much for what people read into her books that clearly wasn't intended, which is like a, a cardinal sin for authors to do if you didn't intend for something and people read into it that way you can't claim credit for it and you also no. you, can't, you can't change what you wrote after the fact no the, like the word that's the whole thing about publishing like we set this stuff into type like it, it only with other editions can you change it but you haven't made any other editions which i guess you could have done but i guess people would decry that you're changing the work that you published all of this is coming from a woman who named an Asian character Cho Chang. Yeah, I, I was gonna say this all comes even when did when did the which book was Cho Chang and I don't remember Harry Potter things. Uh, she was, I think she was introduced. She was definitely in Goblet of Fire, which I think means she was introduced maybe in Prisoner of Azkaban. But please do not quote me on that. I only read the books through like once, but I've watched the movies a billion times. I have seen the movies all once. I read the books all once, but from the time that she was introduced in the books and I read them pretty much a pace as they came out, even at that time, I thought, is that racist to call the only Asian character Cho Chang? I mean... I don't want to get into conspiracy theory territory because that is not territory that anyone should be wanting to get into these days. But it is very similar in phonetic pronunciation to like the typical stereotypical sort of overt, overtly racist like Ching Chong kind of thing that people do. Yeah, it sounds a lot like it. And I'm not saying that 
I can't say she did that on purpose, but also like, I don't know. I can't, I don't know. Personally, I've never met an Asian person named Cho and I've never made, I've never met an Asian person with the last name of Chang. A lot of the Asian people that I've met have the last name Nguyen. Yeah. That's it. I I don't know. Uh, Also, those goblins are a problem. But all of yeah. this to say, we recently have discovered that we on Zero Credits have a powerful uh, uh, power, a, a great enhancement, and that is we can cancel people. That's right. We personally here at Zero Credits can cancel people. And I think it's time that we transfer ownership of the Harry Potter series. I actually saw a tweet the other day. Um, actually, it was shown to me by Jamie. Um, but the, uh, the tweet said like, it, one of the most beautiful things about Harry Potter is that it has no author. The, yeah, the it's, stories it's just like exist. A, it's like Beowulf. <laughs> it's like Beowulf. We, you know, just has no author. And I was like, well, actually Hatsune Miku wrote it, but that's fine. That it also has no author. <laughs> but I, th- I think it's time to cancel JK Rowling. Rowling. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying we cancel her and that we ruin her life because canceling means a lot of things. But what we're doing is we're taking... Harry Potter away from her, which is her source of power and she will wither without it. But it is our solemn duty to take it from her hands for she can no longer be trusted with her platform. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, by now, the story means a lot more to a lot more people than it does to her. Like, to her, it's a source of income and relevancy, sure. But to so many people, like, it's shaped their love of reading in their early childhood and it's just this, this fantastic thing that if we cancel her, we cannot cancel the story. You know, it, it's that it, it's that time honored conversation that we've been having ever since like 2016 or so, where it's like, can you hate the artist but love the art? And I think there are exceptions. Like sometimes you can hate the art too, like maybe with Kevin Spacey, although I will still defend Baby Driver with my life. But in this case of Harry Potter, I don't want to hate the art just because the artist is a bad person. So let's divorce the art from the artist, give it to Hatsune Miku or Shakira or to no one, to nothing, to an immaculate conception type thing and keep the art alive because on its own, the art is fine ish. You know, it's got, it does have some problems, but the, the core themes of the story are still solid. And you you heard it here first, folks. Our power of canceling has leveled up. Now we have the the severing cancel where we can take no longer do we have to worry about loving the artist or the art uh, because now we can remove one from the equation and henceforth we have severed Harry Potter from J.K. Rowling. It is into the ether to be claimed by its new, more powerful host, who, if with almost 100% certainty, is Hatsune Miku, because she is the most powerful figure in the universe. She looms above <laughs> us all like a sun, and only by most darkest machinations could anyone take Harry Potter from her. Blessed be Hatsune Miku. <laughs> I mean, at this point, she has so many things under her belt. Like, she's done so much for the world. Hatsune Miku might be the perfect human being. When we sever 
when we when we cancel by severing, it's almost unfair because Hatsune Miku almost always gets it. Yeah, because there's no way she can ever do anything that is problematic because she herself does not exist. Yeah, it's it's perfect. She can't be stopped. Nor should we try to stop her because I feel like that is a futile effort. How do you stop the uh, the nothingness? Uh, one time I thought about how to uh, how to stop Hatsune Miku, uh, but I'm getting therapy now, so hopefully I hopefully I get better. I, I hope so too. You know, because the the only the only thing more insane than trying to think you can change the world by yourself is thinking that you can go against Hatsune Miku, the supreme being of the universe. You know what they say the definition of insanity is? Trying to stop Hatsune Miku. Yeah. You know, a funny thing, before any of these jokes, way, way before, like in the way, way back, uh, I was watching David Letterman, the David Letterman show. What is it called? Like the the late show or to, the tonight show. No, the late show. Late show. Uh, with... Yeah, Late Show with David Letterman. Now, I was watching it with my father because this is just a thing that we always used to do. And on one of – it was like his last season. He had already announced he was retiring at the end of the season. And the weirdest thing, he had a musical guest. And he said, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, straight from Japan, it's Hatsune Miku. And this is not a joke. Hatsune Miku – performed on David Letterman's show as like a hologram and like did her set, did her song after which they cut like the camera pan back to Dave. And he just said, well now isn't that something? And they went to commercial. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) Essentially, I believe David Letterman was just looking at an empty stage. Right. Ridiculous Japanese music played. Exactly. And, and like cut back to him. And he just said, well, now, isn't that something? And they went oh. to commercial. So good. Oh, oh, I, I, I want to be in David Letterman's mind in that moment. What did you, I want to, like, if I have one interview question for the legend that is David Letterman, who is problematic in of himself. Uh, for various things he did, but the the question I ask for I have for him is, what were you thinking during the performance of Hatsune Miku? Walk me through it. <laughs> My question for him is, how did it feel to meet Hatsune Miku? <laughs> right, right. You were on the same stage. You you inhibited the same space as a supreme being. <laughs> did, did you cower in fear? Walk me through your emotions. Most people have to be on significant amounts of shamanic plant medicines to get that close to the eternal. And David Letterman was a few yards away. Yeah. And, and you know, people, you know, Stephen Colbert took over that show after him and, you know, his ratings haven't been that good. And I think we all know why. He hasn't had her back on. Yeah, because once she gets her claws in something, and make no mistake, she has claws. <laughs> uh, once she gets her claws in something, it's hers. It's not the late show with Stephen Colbert. It's the late show by Hatsune. <laughs> I'm very interested in this and this other movement that's going on where Shakira is in the, the cast photos 
of the Harry Potter children. I haven't seen that yet. I'll what, send what you some tweets. Okay. Um, but that, that I, I feel like <laughs> this is sort of like, you know, the people talk about the court of public opinion and how much power it has over people. But I feel like the worst thing about, like the worst outcome of the court of public opinion is just erasing you from your work and either replacing you with people like Shakira or Hatsune Miku are just saying that your work generated itself. And I feel, oh. feel like that's way more devastating on an emotional level than just being outright canceled. Oh, in the court of public opinion, that's the death sentence <laughs> is, is for people to go, no, 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 your art is fine, but you can go. Yeah, yeah, like, when you get, like, canceled, canceled, like, you know, Louis C.K. has popped up time and time again, even after he got canceled. So, like, obviously it didn't take. But, like, J.K. Rowling hasn't actually produced anything since Hatsune Miku took over. So, I'm just saying, maybe that's the way we go in the future. We just replace all of Kevin Spacey with Hatsune Miku. I would be okay with that even in Baby Driver because I think it would be hilarious. Uh, American Beauty would be very weird, but I'm here for it. Uh, Seven might be a little interesting. Oh, Seven would be vastly improved. (laughs) I'd say the two things that would be most improved would be Seven and all of House of Cards. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to ever watch House of Cards again because, I don't know, they'd... Just like Game of Thrones, the ending ruined the entire series. Also, Kevin Spacey ruined the entire series by being himself in the real world. Yeah, Kevin Spacey ruined Game of Thrones. He did. He really did. He really he, did. He was he was Rhaegal. Kevin Spacey was Rhaegal. <laughs> Kevin Spacey was the dragon? Rhaegal. <laughs> there's no... I don't... There's no dragon named Rhaegal. <laughs> okay, listen. Kevin Spacey was Daenerys Targaryen's dragon Rhaegal. <laughs> I feel like you're making fun of me. <laughs> no, he was his. He was her dragon Rhaegal. Keep repeating hatched, it. Hatched, hatched from the egg her dragon Rhaegal. There's no Rhaegal. There were there were there were multiple dragons. I know, and none of them were named Rhaegal. There was Drogon, Rhaegarius, Rhaegal. Is that no? There was not one named Rhaegal. There was a thousand percent a dragon named Rhaegal, played by Kevin Spacey. I'm not even talking about if he played him. There's no dragon named Rhaegal. Yeah, that part is indisputable, but you are misremembering the facts. Okay, there's Drogon. There's uh-huh. Viserion. Uh-huh. And then there's Rhaegal. <laughs> you are absolutely right. Holy shit. Yeah, he's Rhaegal. He's Rhaegal. Oh, my head hurts. I'm sorry. Okay, hold on, hold on. Before before anything else, before anything else, I need to apologize to you, John, 
for saying that there was no dragon named Rhaegal. I was wrong. You were right. I'm sorry. I thought the dragon's names were Larry, Curly, and Mo. Yeah, and he's played definitively by Kevin Spacey. Interesting. That's like when uh it's like when George Clooney voiced the the dog in South Park. Yeah, it's like um Doctor Doolittle. Which one? The new one with um, Robert Downey Jr. It's crazy because in that movie, all the animals are voiced by people who got Me Too'd. Wait, no. Kamel Nanjiani voiced, <laughs> voiced an ostrich, and I don't think he got Me Too'd. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking of a different movie. Well, the whole thing is every animal got Me Too'd. In what movie? Um, Secret Life of Pets. Oh, Okay, the first one, not the second one where they replaced Louis C.K. with Patton Oswalt. Wait, isn't it Louis C.K., Kevin Hart? Ugh. Yeah. They did not replace that, Kevin Hart in the second one. But they did replace... people. Yeah, they replaced Louis C.K. with Patton Oswalt in the second one. Well, at least Patton Oswalt didn't do it. Man, if Patton Oswalt got me too, I'd feel so bad. If Patton Oswalt got me too'd, I would think the universe is just ending because I don't. I mean, he's he's he seems like a nice guy. I don't. Oh God, he's gonna get me too'd now that I said that. See, I don't know. I don't like saying getting me too'd because it makes it sound like they're the victims, which is not the case. No, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. But there's no other better verb for it, I guess. Yeah. Oh well, like held accountable for their crimes. <laughs> yeah, but it's not so, it's not as funny to say Secret Life of Pets has pets who are voiced by people who are were held accountable for their crimes. I still feel like Kevin Hart is one of the highest grossing comedians. Like I don't know if he actually got punished other than he got the Oscars taken away from him. Yeah, and also he made that documentary about how yeah, he cheated on his wife, but he's it's all good. Wait, he pulled a Hamilton? Yeah, he made a documentary where he controlled the narrative about him cheating on his wife. Yeah, so he pulled an Alexander Hamilton. I'm sorry, what is this? Uh, Alexander Hamilton? Uh Uh-huh. He he was one of the founding fathers. Oh, yes. He cheated on his wife. Oh, did he? And right before it was going to come out in the public, he... He produced uh, a a musical. (laughs) No, he basically produced like a pamphlet explaining that he cheated on his wife and why, and that it was all okay. And because of that, he was never able to become president. Also, he was killed in a duel, but that came later. Interesting. Was he killed by his wife? No, he was killed by Aaron Burr. Oh, I would have got that if I had milk. The the Sean Penn movie? Uh, no. It's a reference. It's for old people. It's fine. I'm 31. Sean Penn? Is Sean Penn good? Is he bad? He's not in anything anymore. Hmm. I feel like now at this point, since we're trying to just name people and figure out whether or not they've been Me Too'd, it might be a good time to end the episode. Well, you mentioned Milk, and Sean Penn played Harvey Milk. Yeah, I, I, 
if people just mention words, you don't just have to say movies they were in. But I didn't understand the reference. Okay, so I'll explain this in excruciating detail. You remember milk? The drink. That Sean Penn? <laughs> that Sean Penn said? The drink? Yeah, Sean Penn played milk, <laughs> the beverage. I don't know about you, but every time I pour a glass of milk, a little bit of Sean Penn comes out. Yeah, Sean Penn. Sean Penn's not in anything other than every milk. But yeah. Sean Penn was milk, the drink. Um, and then there was this ad campaign. You remember Gut Milk? Gut Milk? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Not G-U-T, G-O-T. Oh, okay, okay. I think what you're trying to explain is that Daenerys had three dragons. <laughs> yeah. Daenerys one of them was Drogon, one of them was Viserion, and one of them was Rhaegal. <laughs> one of them was Rhaegal, uh, played by Kevin Spacey. Uh, played, played by, by Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Hart. Oh, no, all of the Kevins. <laughs> Kevin all Spacey, the... Kevin James, Kevin Hart. Yeah, every Kevin uh, was a dragon. Rhaegal. Oh, uh, no, oh, they were just Rhaegal. <laughs> they were just Rhaegal. Uh, oh. You know how, uh, you know in Dragon Ball Z when they fuse and they put their voices on top of each other? That's what was going on. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think at this point in the in the, in, in the timeline. So there was this gut milk campaign. <laughs> okay. And, you know, the, the, the commercials, I don't know if you're familiar, but milk's a beverage that you drink. And at the end, it would say gut milk because the commercials you see would be situations to which people would have benefited in one way or another from having had milk. Does this make sense so far? Yes. There's a man in a full body cast who he's played by. Not sure if he's been me tooed, uh, but there's a man in a, in a full body cast eating a cookie somehow, I think. And... I might be confusing this. He might not have been a full body cast. We'll fact check it. He's listening to the radio. And the radio says, Alexander Hamilton was killed in a duel by this person. The first person who calls in gets like $500 or new Ferrari. There's some prize. So it's a radio call and trivia show, right? Does this make sense so far? Yes. And there were three dragons, and one of them's name is Drogon, and one of them's <laughs> name is Rhaegarius, and one of them's name is Rhaegal. The Syrian is the second one. <laughs> he's eating a cookie, the man in the cast is. Right, and, and he, he might be Rhaegal, we don't know. That's the thing about Game of Thrones, it keeps you guessing. It keeps you guessing. He Rhaegal might have been a man in the 90s in a full body cast, but he's eating a cookie. I don't, I cannot stress this enough. I don't know if he was in a full body cast, but, <laughs> but wait, he's a man of, Is he like trying to mumble like Ern Burr? Like, is, that is exactly it's the like, thing. He's is his mouth cookie. like, is his mouth wired shut? He's, he's got, I, it is, I think I was, he's, he's either eating a cookie or he's in a full body cast or it's both. But he's eating the cookie. <laughs> and and, and, and Daenerys' dragon's names. Yes, Drogon, Drogon Viserion, and Rhaegal. Regalius and Rhaegal. Who is Regalius? Not Regalius. There's no Regalius. And he's trying to call in, and he's got the phone. I, once again, I do not know if he's in a full body <laughs> cast. Because the way that I read this commercial m- means that he would have to use his hands. Maybe he's in like a head cast. 
he's calling. He's trying he's to like, Ur-ber, Ur-ber. He needs, And he's like reaching for milk because he's either in a full body cast or he's not reaching for milk because there is no milk. <laughs> or he's one of <laughs> Daenerys' three dragons. And then they can't understand him. And then they hang up. And then he like drinks milk. Or maybe he doesn't. And then it's like, oh, Aaron Burr. And then it says, got milk. And then he gets killed by a White Walker. Then he gets killed by a White Walker saying, well, Tarly. <laughs> Played by Sean Penn. <laughs> Played by Sean Penn. And scene. Oh, man. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. And that actually sounds vaguely familiar. But I didn't register any of it as a child, I don't think. I'll send you some tweets. Please do. Please clear up all of the confusion that has happened tonight. Now, speaking of confusion, I'm confused as to who's editing. So, the original deal was that I would edit three, and then you would edit three, and then that deal is over. So we go back to normal, I'll edit. Okay. He was not in a full body cast, so that means I do the social media for this week. That's right, John, and I'll kick you off. So if you want to name more dragons, John's going to tell you how. That's right. If you want to send us all your dragon names, uh, you can do so on Twitter at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. The preferred platform of dragons. Quick aside, I recently learned... Uh, that the leading uh, website about horses is called Chronicles of the Horse. What does that stand for, Henry? That stands for Dragon. Why, why do? Why is our initials? Why are our initials so hard? Why? Why, John? Why is it ZCPCWHJ, which stands for Zirian, Kyrian, Pyrian, Kyrian, Wirian, Hyrian, Jirian? I don't know. And if you want to send us an email, we promise the email won't be rudely bounced back like all of my emails to the Austin City Council about defunding the police, you can do so at zero credits. Nope, no, you can no, do no. so at email at zerocredits.net. That's right. We got a website, baby. And what 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 can they find on that website, John? Not a lot. And you can find us on Spotify by searching for Zero Credit, open parentheses, S, close parentheses on Spotify podcasts. We join the hallowed ranks of one Josephus Rogan uh, by having our podcast exclusively on Spotify and the other platform I'm about to mention. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts. A great way for people to hear about the show is to go to Apple Podcasts. You leave us a little rating. You leave us a little comment. A little, no, 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 no. Maybe you'll get a little kickback somewhere down the road once we're millionaires by a Ferrari, baby. And the most important way to get a Ferrari is the word of the mouth is the only way we can drive. Ferrari, Porsche Panamera. Porsche Cayenne, Lamborghini Diablo. That's right. If you <laughs> drive by all your friends, make sure to yell out your car windows from greater than six feet away. Listen to the podcast of my friends, Zero Credits Podcast. And then they'll listen. 
Right, yeah, because anything that is shouted from a moving car is binding by law. They have to listen because the law will get them. And I just want to mention very soon, I don't know when because it depends on when I do it, we are also going to be on something called Google Podcast. I'm working on it. It's When I say I'm working on it, I mean I haven't started it yet. But apparently Google Music is going away, but Google Podcast is here to stay. That's their slogan. It's really weird. What's Google Music? It's where I store all my music after I left Apple. Leave me alone. Ah, uh, that's fair. I recently got Spotify Premium, so whenever I said I was on Amazon Music to people, they'd be like, what is that? What's Turn Amazon up? Music? Spotify is way better. Okay. Well, from everyone here at the Zero Credit Studio Apartment, Studio Apartment 517 Bathroom Studios, we want to wish you a continued happy and safe quarantine. Please, for the love of God, keep quarantining. Do not, do, don't, just don't, just don't drop the quarantining. We're already seeing record cases of hospitalizations in Texas. We're heading straight into a a, a, a more severe, I'm not going to say phase two or wave two, because we never left wave one. Like, this isn't over yet, people. Please keep taking the precautions that we were taking this entire time. Please keep wearing masks in public. Please keep washing your hands frequently. Just like this isn't over yet. And, and you shouldn't treat it like it's over yet because it's not. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> talking about what's dumb what's you dumb Rhaegal was one of the dragons how the fuck did you know that Rhaegal was one of the dragons i know dragon facts <laughs> <laughs>